0: <laughs> welcome to bloom living my name is thomas DeShooter, former rock musician turned wealth architect bringing to you amazing ideas from amazing people looking to up the game of life whenever we can
1: I was so unhappy in corporate life I uh, and you know I think like anybody when the students ready a teacher appears and that's what happened for me I had a client who invited me to be part of a mastermind I didn't know what a mastermind was never heard of it before so I asked her a little bit about it she said oh it's a group we're gonna get together and talk about our goals and you know uh, it's gonna be facilitated by a life coach and I was like oh that sounds terrible I also have an, in- an innate ability to be hugely empathetic and very in tune with what's going on so much so like I when I went to kindergarten I was already reading chapter books as a five-year-old and I got to school and realized very quickly that nobody in my class knew how to read so I pretended I didn't know how to read with the desire to fit in to not put anybody on the spot to not be somebody that stuck out
0: so how do you take a personal quality one that for years you have perceived to be a negative and turn it into a successful career and a hallmark for living a beautiful and created life. This week on Bloom Living, Heather White. Welcome to the Bloom Living podcast. My name is Thomas DeSchooter, your host, and I am here with the amazing and talented and fabulous, is there anything else I can add to that?
1: Keep going, keep going. Um,
0: (laughs) Beautiful.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Thomas. um,
0: Taller than me. Am I? Yeah, you were. I had to look up a little to you, so I was a little intimidated by that at (laughs) first. I present
1: tall. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Heather White is with us, and Heather is, uh, I've only mes- recently met you, uh, November I think it was, we shared a stage together at an Elysian event, and, uh, and I know what you do kind of in the world of coaching, but I'm not crystal clear on what it is, and I'm hoping to uncover that today, so I'll start you by- You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start by reading something, Okay. okay. Achieving success can be strangely unfulfilling sometimes. We fight so long, so hard to reach goals. Then one day we realize life is bigger than what we do and that our quest for excellence changed us. So you know where I got that from?
1: I wrote those words. Yes, you did. So <laughs>
0: can you elaborate on that? On, yeah. On where that came from? And, uh, I'm and so
1: glad we're starting there. Totally. Yes. Um, You know, I first, when I graduated from university, I got a job in corporate. I worked in outside sales uh, originally, and there's sort of a bit of a backstory with how that happened, because it was kind of an accident or divine intervention, whichever way you want to think of it. But I found myself quite unhappy in in the corporate arena, even though I was doing really well and excelling and sort of had that strange dichotomy um, that I've come to experience more times in my life, which is that the outside world looking in, sort of you have all these boxes checked and everything looks really good, and you... On the inside, are not content or fulfilled, or you know, whatever sort of words we want to use. I think we can all understand that energy of just sort of like, I don't understand. I did everything I thought I was supposed to do to live the happy life, and I'm not happy. So, mm-hmm. what did I miss? Um, and so, that was actually the ri- original reason I got into coaching. I met um, a couple of people and discovered coaching beyond the, uh, realms of athleticism because that was my understanding of coaching up until that point in my life. And um, and then I left the corporate arena and started uh, coaching full-time. That was 10 years ago. And over, you know, my own journey in my life and then watching so many people journey through their lives, you know, riding a shotgun with them, I realized, you know, and that's where those words come from, is that we are part of an unfolding nature package. Mm. And um, there's always... If you're awake, you know if you're if you're turned on to life, and you're attuned to the unfolding of life, you start to realize that it's like there's two feet always sort of gently on your back nudging you, and so the the most um, challenging thing is when we get things looking a certain way, and yet then there's this sort of next level of unfolding that wants to occur. And that resistance kicks in because our culture doesn't really talk about that. Mm. It doesn't talk about the fact that, um, you know, what got us here totally changed sort of if we've, if we've listened. You know, it's changed the whole entire essence of what we're all about. And, you know, we can think about it energetically. We're on a different plane of vibration Everything looks differently. We want different things, and so it's a bit challenging in our culture because we're sort of conditioned, especially in the personal development world. Set a goal, reach a goal, be happy. Right. Um, but that's not really the journey. It's like set a goal, reach a goal, be unhappy. Yeah. Because the the true happiness, I think, anyways, for humans, you know, Al- Al- uh, Albert Einstein talked about, you know, our lives being like riding a bicycle. You've got to keep going. Uh, you don't get to just kind of like idle; mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise, you fall over. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, that's what's happening. We we get to a certain place, and then something else wants to come through us. And so, th- you know, this is the journey of my life, and it's the journey that I'm on with clients. And speaking of ideal clients, the people that I most love to work with are the ones that have, you know, I would call them sort of reformed high achievers. They might not know that yet, um, but they sort of swallowed the pill of of uh, achievement. And they did all the things that they were conditioned to believe they were supposed to do. And they hit this wall and they go, what did I miss? Mm. Which is where I come in, you know, because you didn't miss anything. And ironically that the discomfort or, you know, even sometimes it gets as loud as suffering that you feel is a direct reflection of the work you've done to get here. And that suffering is not punishment at least, in my opinion, I think of it as guidance. It's that two feet on your back again, nudging you. Okay, so there's something else that wants to come through you. I really believe our lives, um, are vehicles for the work of spirit to be done through the, you know, um, you know, our human incarnations and experiences that we have only on this um, human level of expression, yeah. and um, and that's why it's an, an ever unfolding journey.
0: Right. Would you say then that? Um, The preconceived outcomes that people have because i know when you know i know for myself there was times where i set something up that i'm going to accomplish and it it needs to look a certain way and it doesn't go that way and if we're not open to the change how much can we actually end up sabotaging ourselves because we have it like it must be this way do you run into that a lot with when you're coaching do you see that a lot in people
1: by the time they get to me, they've sort of uh, awakened, if you will, to the idea that that doesn't work. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, and uh, but yeah, that's what happens. I think our rigidness, which is it's such it's so it's such a dichotomy, right? Because on the one hand, discipline works, effort works, you know, will works. And so it gets you to a certain place. But I think like everything on the journey, Uh, eventually you have to surrender the thing that got you here because the thing that got you here is the very thing that's going to hinder you from getting there. And this is where we get stuck. Right. Right? And also, to your point about the flexibility along the path, I mean, who do you think the... uh, Where do you think the desire came from in the first place? Mm. You know, for your for you to want whatever it was you wanted that you then turn into a, a goal and leverage the science of goal achievement to start moving down the path but where do you think it came from and so to me it all comes from the same place the desire as well as the path and so if the if they're in to me nature is, is incredibly efficient so if the path that you thought you were meant to go down towards wherever it is you th- you thought you were going needs to pivot, you got to trust that mm-hmm. uh, because to me there's an intelligence far greater than that of my ego th- right. that knows, you know, what is the, what is the most efficient way for us to get where it is we're trying to go.
0: Okay. So for those of you out there listening, there's a sound that you might hear. It is a tree, uh, chopping tree device that (laughs) is outside the window we've had to move and the great thing is as heather white put it we have gone into a closet for clarity
1: (laughs) we went into the closet to talk about enlightenment (laughs) that's right
0: that's that's actually what you said that's correct
1: yeah well it's just fitting how we were just discussing can we Can we go with the uh, pivoting of the journey? And then we ended up having to literally go in a closet to record this.
0: (laughs) So I'm not clear where we were and it's perfect. Um, I know we had, uh, I think I talked about something about having a preconceived way that things should be going Mm -hmm. forward
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and how that has sidetracked me. And uh, the question was whether you had experienced that with clients Mm -hmm. and mostly you said they went, by the time they get to you, they've, they figured that out. Is that right?
1: I think they've just suffered enough at that point, you know, to be like maybe the whole this whole buy into the world of achievement. Um, maybe there's another point of view to look at it from.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, and so, with that, what would be your philosophy on on that point of view? I'm curious. I'm curious to know. Like, what is? You know, I have. I've. I am studying the Course in Miracles now. We've we've briefly Mm -hmm. talked about that. I've listened to a lot of Marianne Williamson. I have my viewpoint, but I'm Mm -hmm. curious to know what would be, what is another point of view or one that you find works really well for people?
1: I think we're on a spiritual path. I think what gets us hooked up is we think we're on a human path. Mm. And I think that's where we get things kind of, you know, backwards. Um, And that's what gets us so attached to our path, our way, our outcome, me, 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 what I'm trying to do, where I'm going. Um, And I think we've forgotten that the very nature, the sort of, um, how shall I say, the origin of our desires, I think, is spiritual. Right. I I love the quote from uh, American psychologist Alfred Adler. He used to say, I'm grateful for the idea that has used me. And that's what I believe. I believe our lives are um, to be... You know, I will use the word used by spirit and you have, you know, very unique um, and, and a very specific learning line that you're on, karmic line, if you will. Um, you'll have unique desires. There's things you're, you're going to want to do that I would never want to do. Mm-hmm. You have unique gifts and talents that I don't have, you know, and, and so your job is to listen for what is the unfolding of your life, not right. to try to dictate what it should be.
0: So, would you say then that um people get caught up in looking at what others are doing and wanting to be that and that's where instead of listening to intuitively their own unfolding when we get caught up in what others are doing and going, "Well, why can't I have that? Why can't I be that?"
1: that's our trap. Okay, great question. So here's my take on it. I actually think you can get a lot of information from your reactions. So when you look at the outside world and you see something, you know, to your point, you see somebody doing something, you're like, why can't I have that? The fa- that very question, why can't I have that, I think has a tremendous amount of information. Because the truth is, you probably wouldn't have noticed that if you didn't want to you know, something or, and whether it's the thing or whether it's, um, you know, the feeling you think is going to give you that thing might get you or, you know, and there's more exploration to do, but you're going to notice something that I would never notice in someone else. I think the trap is believing in the idea that you don't, you can't have it because inherently in what the question is, why can't I have that is a, is a belief underneath it that you can't Mm. just by nature of the question you're asking. Right? right, I think jealousy is actually inverted desire. I think if, if we stop judging ourselves for noticing things that we want in other people, we would um, be able to move much more quickly towards inspired action and acquiring or attracting or becoming aligned with whatever that thing is. The kicker is once you get it, you'll realize it's not it. So you have to be willing to let it go as quickly as you let it come in. Right. And that's where I think we get stuck. We get very attached, and our attachment causes a tremendous amount of suffering.
0: Right. So um, so if I were to make an analogy just off the top of my head, it's kind of like being in a game, a team sport, where you don't know where the ball's going to go or the puck if we're in Canada and we want to focus on hockey. You don't know where it's going to go. So you have to be open-minded when you hit the ice to just be in the moment and play. Bingo. Wow. I think
1: the operative word there is play. Right. You know, and so again, speaking back to the people that I end up working with and which are a mirror of myself, is we take it really serious, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're very... Well, this, s- this podcast is very, very serious. Very serious. Clearly, we're in a closet. <laughs> 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 yeah, we take it really serious. And it's, you know, again, it's it's so tricky because it's like, it's very serious. This is your life and it's not serious. It's not serious Because this is a game.
0: Yeah. Take it's the significance out, right? Totally. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it's so tricky, you know, to how to find the balance between, you know, levity and, you know, really honoring the fact that you're in an incarnation and what a privilege it is to be a human being. I think it's like one in... One in 14 trillion is sort of the chances scientifically around how you would have ended up being born at the time you were born to the parents you were born to, you know, with that whole DNA line, you know, wherever you ended up coming down, you know, whatever country or, I mean, all that stuff. It's like it is it is a miracle, speaking right. of miracles.
0: So, so you then would really look and say that um, you come from a place then, if I'm correct here, that the or- the universe is actually organized and it's not random.
1: I do believe that.
0: Yeah, that, that we are created and we're creative beings.
1: I do believe that.
0: Um, and we shared a little bit about The Course in Miracles. And so I'm curious, you know, what do you get from Marianne Williamson? Like, what would you say is is really what you channel when you listen to her? Is it clarity? Is it a deeper understanding of yourself?
1: I think she does an excellent job of mir- of um, merging the rational mind and the spiritual heart. Mm. So I think she she's a wonderful voice for what can sometimes feel very esoteric and sort of ungraspable ideas because she's is so articulate and so well-spoken and clearly has done her homework, probably 40, 50 years of studying, um, you know, metaphysics. Yeah. And so I think her level of understanding then gives us not just, not just the wisdom, but she gives us the wisdom with the key to unlock it because she's done the work. Right. Right. So it's that, it's again, that thing, you know, this, there's, there's this, they're not really secrets. You know, the laws of the universe, the, the, the uh, information is all around us. Um, it's just finding a teacher that has unlocked it for themselves so that they can then do it for you Mm -hmm. through, through their words or through their energy or through whatever it is that they're offering.
0: Right. What do you get out of your working with people? What's in it for you?
1: Um, Liberation. I truly believe we're all connected and we're only as free as the least free of us. Right. And so, you know, it's. I, I really believe when, when one soul is liberated, all souls are liberated. Um, and so what I get is the idea that together, collectively, we're moving through the journey of life, um, transcending our sort of egoic experiences in search of a, and seeking of a, a higher you know, more enlightened experience, and so that's what I get.
0: Mm. Um, is there a particular uh, way that you always coach, or is it is it something where you are really just on the court playing, and it's let's just see what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, I'm way at I'm at that level now where I just. Um, it's funny, what what held me back for so long from, you know, really sort of strategic business development and growth, I would say, is the fact that I, I don't believe in four steps to success and here's my patented, trademarked three things you need to do. Um, I just don't believe that. I, I, I personally believe, actually, you know exactly what you need to do. I see my role, especially as a coach, and maybe coach is, is I don't know if it's the right or wrong term, and I struggle with that quite a bit, but... I see my role as one to listen and to mirror and to support you in trusting yourself. I really believe you know what to do. You know where to go. Mm. And I want you to trust your intuition. I want you to listen to that inner voice. I want you to do what feels right in your spiritual heart, even though your rational mind is screaming at you not to do it. So I see myself um, as a partner, like riding shotgun, like a Robin to a Batman that's like, I believe in this ride and I know it's going to be scary. Um, but let's go, let's do this. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, if you're not leaning into life, you
1: you're know, leaning out.
0: Yeah. And, and then nothing's happening.
1: Yeah. You're dying.
0: Yeah. Um, there's something that I'm, I've kind of, uh, tuned into with the, the course in miracles. And I just love to, you know, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this, that, um, we're all creative beings. And I, I believe that when I'm operating from a place of creativity and out of my head that that is my true calling that is when i meant my zone of genius would you is is that what you see when you when you experience your clients that are really starting to light it up
1: mm mm-hmm. mhm um yeah, I would say so. I would say the rational mind is a wonderful servant and I think it serves our creativity. I think there's a there it's a there's a way it comes through us. And again, you're programmed in a certain way so that the creative energy that's coming through you which, you know, then leverages the servitude of your rational mind can only possibly come through you. So, I'm not one to um like I'm not interested in ego eradication or, or, you know, um, coming down hard on any one part of us, I think it all matters. I think it's all we're designed beautifully and perfectly, and we do have a rational mind for a reason. We do have an amygdala for a reason. We do have a fight or flight response for a reason. I'm way more interested in taking a compassionate approach to ourselves, um, and I think sometimes when we go, you know, we get onto the spiritual path, we can get a little um, righteous and deny our humanness and i think that's a little tricky to navigate as well because i think um, it's all love (laughs) you know and it's not one part to be denied over another part to be embraced it's really finding the place where you can um, be a spiritual being having a human experience and love your humanness as much as you love your spirituality or your spiritual essence
0: right what was your calling to 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 go into coaching
1: I was so unhappy in corporate life I uh, and you know I think like anybody when the student's ready a teacher appears and that's what happened for me I had a client who invited me to be part of a mastermind I didn't know what a mastermind was never heard of it before so I asked her a little bit about it she said oh it's a group we're going to get together and talk about our goals and you know uh, it's going to be facilitated by a life coach and I was like oh that sounds terrible I was (laughs) you know your classic the worst worst thing thing I've ever ever. heard I don't want to I don't have any goals what are you talking about and that's exactly where I was that it was very cynical highly resistant and yet there was a little some little tiny part of me that knew it was exactly what I needed to do and it was that little voice that called me forward and I did ended up in, in that mastermind group and I that's what introduced me to the concept of life coaching and that's where I met my first official coach Bob Proctor and studied under him and this you know he is also a teacher of the laws of the universe and um it, you know, it just absolutely opened my mind and changed the trajectory of my life. And so, um, it's, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a calling, although it was a phone call that I received, <laughs> <laughs> See? ironically. See, it was a calling. <laughs> it was a calling. Ring, you're right. Ring. You're right. <laughs> um, you know, and then I think, like anything, when something so profoundly changes your life, you, you just can't help but share it, you know, and then you find yourself being that, finding, You know, how to navigate the path without being that sort of like annoying friend that starts telling everybody, you got it. You too can change your life. You know, you're, oh my gosh, you know, and and not become judgmental and judging everybody's thinking processes and how they're looking at it. And just remember, like, actually, the only thing you can offer anybody is your being. Hmm. And the only place to work on is yourself. So you don't have to worry about what anyone else is doing. You just work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And that becomes your offering.
0: Right. I read, um. Something that was to the effect that as we teach, we learn, right? Absolutely. And that's the the best thing we can do is get Mm -hmm. out and teach, and then we actually learn. And we learn more about ourselves in that environment than sitting back, you know, reading, just reading books. I mean, getting out on the court and playing is is really the key to anything that you want to be great at. Um, so do you have that where you, did you go through a period where friends were like, uh, hey, Heather, I've got other things going. I don't have time to see you like right now (laughs) where people were like, man, I can't take her right now. Or did, were you able to. I've got a group
1: of girlfriends that still joke. We were driving home from a, um, uh, I think it was another houseboating trip or something and they were all asleep. Uh, and I was playing my Bob Proctor CDs and they still bugged me that I was brainwashing them. (laughs) Um, but they're all doing really well, so, <laughs> so the, the subconscious mind exactly. did the trick. Um, you know, I think I just learned quickly. Like um, one of the best things was wait to be asked. Right. You know, wait to be asked. Don't you know? I stopped. I stopped offering to just. You know. Sh- put my spiel out there unless someone asks me truly for my opinion. I don't give my opinion, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly around life and personal growth, um, with the exception of my social media channels, which you can choose to follow or not. I don't tell people what I think unless they ask me. Right. I feel like it's a privilege to be asked. And so we got to wait for that.
0: Yeah. You know, I have that um, struggle as, you know, in my regular day job, if you will, I'm a finance guy and... You know, I spent many years building uh, an Edward Jones office and working at Scotia McLeod and being really on the sales and everything was sales, sales, sales. And I never was comfortable with that. And I am more now. I know I have to, you know, I have to get clients to eat, obviously, and I have kids to feed, Mm. but I'm not comfortable with that Mm. concept. I I prefer people to be drawn in and go, you know, I've listened to you. I'm 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 interested in hearing what you say now. What do mm-hmm. you have to say now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for social media. Right? Like you, I'll just blabber Absolutely. on.
1: Absolutely. Social media has done a wonderful thing for us because it's allowed us a, a, you know, a microphone to share, you know, where we can be of service and where our perspective lies and, you know, give value and it allows people to trust us, le- learn to trust us, right? I mean, speaking of sales, the the oldest you know, sales in the book is people buy from people they know, like, and trust. So social media has given us a wonderful way to close the gap of, you know, helping people understand who we are and getting to know us um, and deciding whether or not they, they, you know, like and trust us. And then, you know, the gap, uh, you know, between being able to do business with people, I think has been, I wouldn't say it's necessarily been closed just through the mediums of social media, but it's allowed us another channel. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, it's different now.
0: Now, when you made the move from corporate to entrepreneur, how did the business mind go for you? Because a lot of people have great ideas and wonderful intentions, but they can't operate a business to save their lives. Did you find that struggle or or did you come from a place in corporate where you knew kind of how business worked?
1: Um, A couple things. I had a wonderful mentor. Uh, who had been in business for a long time and uh, was a partner in my business originally for the first four years. And so I had that guidance and that support, which was fantastic. I was a business developer. That's what I did in corporate for four years. So I did understand the structure part. And then I spent four years doing strictly business development coaching. Um, And again, I think probably by a stroke of divine intervention to help me make sure I knew how to um, run the business, because to your point. Um, if you don't have the stability to have a business stick around, it's really hard for you to do the work of service that you most deeply want to do. Um, and so to be able to sit here, like this will be my 10th year um, since leaving the corporate arena, I think is an enormous accomplishment. And I'm very grateful for the business acumen you know, that I brought from the corporate arena that, and that I was able to partner with and learn even more about so that I could lay a strong foundation um, to to be able to sit here today. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a strategic mind for sure. Um, and so it's definitely served me um, and helped me. And again, I put it in the role of servant. I don't let it drive the bus um, because I think it's important to let my soul drive the bus and r- leverage the strategic thinking that I do have access to through my mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that internal thing that I love to call on that is this feel forget the thinking, does this feel
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Mm-hmm. And I like what he said that it allowed you to get, you know, sit here today in this closet with the microphone. Like yeah. that's.
1: Yeah. This that's, is my dream coming true. Literally. <laughs> I'm I, I, And I mean that in all honesty, you know, I remember when I sat in my apartment doing my homework from Bob Proctor and he asked, uh, you know, I was listening to recording and he kept asking, so what do you love to do and what would you do even if you weren't paid? And w- you know, what, have you been uniquely gifted and talented with in this lifetime and I really believe it was it's my voice it's my communicative ability I have um, an innate ability to take really complex ideas and make them really accessible for people and help people grasp it and meet them where they're at and um, I wanted to talk that's Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do and right behind that idea came all the reasons why There was no way that was possible. And furthermore, he said something that really actually allowed that truth to come to the surface, which was, he said, keep in mind, you may perceive your most natural gifts and talents to be negative qualities about yourself, which I did.
0: Hey there, friendly podcast listeners. Just a quick note that we are continuing our nine weeks of Facebook live talking about everything to do with money. Just go to bloom strategies on Facebook, click like, and you'll be notified every time we go live. Now back to the show.
1: I perceived my desire to want to be in communion and conversation with people constantly as a negative, something that I should curtail and curb. And that had been the feedback I'd had my whole life, you know, be seen, not heard. Um, you know, I'd been banished from adult conversations for taking, you know, things out of context and repeating things because I've been talking my whole life.
0: Did you have report cards that said, Heather would do better if she could just apply herself and not talk so much.
1: Yeah, more Heather would do better if she just paid attention to her own stuff. And here's the irony is I did really well. You know, I would get all my stuff done and then I'd be bo- it was more that I was probably bothering other people yeah. that needed more concentration time. Um, I mean, it, I also have an an innate ability to be hugely empathetic and very in tune with what's going on. So much so, like, I, when I went to kindergarten, I was already reading um, chapter books mm. as a five-year-old. I've been reading for a long time. And I got to school and realized very quickly that nobody in my class knew how to read. So I pretended I didn't know how to read um, with with the desire to fit in, to not put anybody on the spot, to not be somebody that stuck out. Um, right you know so i've I've had an interesting journey to try to navigate what does it mean to have this conflicting sort of thing going on on the one hand, I want to have the microphone, I want to stand up, I want to be on the platform and I want to be sharing my ideas on the other hand, I don't want to put people off i don't want to and I don't want to stick out so it's been an interesting um integrative experience for me to find where do I feel at home
0: right yeah, you know that's um.
1: Ironically I feel at home in this closet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just the warm tea that you're drinking. Um, I know for me that that has been a cha- like, you know, uh that has been a challenge for me is to know that I can just be myself and to just allow myself to be myself and there's always that withhold but I always remember my mom saying, you know, be an engine not a caboose was my mom's favorite saying to me. And so I have fortunately been able to kind of you know my dad so it was great my mom was like be an engine don't don't be a caboose and my dad was if you don't like my fence post don't swing on my gate that was those were my like those are my two (laughs) two programs love it two lessons in life (laughs) from my parents besides love of course Mm -hmm. because you know i had that but So I was going to actually ask, you know, what is, I think you kind of handled it, but what is your zone of genius? Do you, have you come, I don't know if you've ever read the big leap.
1: I have, I'm reading it. I read it, reread it every year. I'm reading it again right now as we speak.
0: So, Mm -hmm. you know, have you dialed that in what your zone of genius is? Have you had those moments where you're just like,
1: oh my gosh, this is
0: unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And then how do I get there again?
1: Mm -hmm. I have. And, and here has been the trickiest part for me is what made me feel that. Um, is not, I don't think necessarily, um, hinging on the external. So in other words, like, you know, I'll sit in this, I'm sitting here, I feel totally in my zone of genius. I feel like I'm in I'm totally in the zone. You could ask me anything. I'm at home. I'm comfortable. I'm in a dark closet. (laughs) I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, You know, but I had that moment on stage. I've had other moments on stage where I've walked off stage and felt like I would rather die than ever do that again. Mm. And so it's not the stage I've realized. Um, It's not the microphone I've realized. It's it's something behind it. You know, there's something deeper. I've traveled all over the world, um, you know, doing trainings and coaching and speaking. And there's been moments when I've been totally in love and thought that exact thought, like, oh, my gosh, how can I replicate this? And then there's been moments when I've replicated it and I didn't get the same feeling. So it's been pretty um, confusing, I'll I'll be honest, for me to figure out, so what exactly is my zone of genius? And I wish someone would just hit me over the head and say, here it is. This is what it is. Um so in some ways you know and I love the work of Gay Hendricks I think it's excellent and um I love exploring and I particularly love his ideas about the upper limiting And, you know, those are the same ideas that I studied with Bob Proctor through the work of people like Maxwell Maltz about, you know, what, when we hit our threshold or our, 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 you know, our paradigm limits, uh, you know, and how to transcend that. I I love all that. And so I've sort of given up getting too definitive about what is my zone of genius or not. And I've just stuck to how do I feel.
0: Right. You know what? That's great. I mean, that's... um Today we had, uh, for myself, and I'll give an example of Mm -hmm. that exactly, because today we had a strategic uh, planning session and then I went, I'm I'm on a 45 days Facebook live quest. So 45 consecutive days of doing Facebook live about money. Like how, how many people are going to watch that?
1: (laughs) I'd love to watch
0: that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. Um, today was, I was, you know, we finished our strategic planning. I had 10 minutes to get myself into a headspace to talk about RSPs and tax and stuff and, but do it with fun and love and conviction. And like, uh, this really matters. And I was so not there, right? Just not, not. And although I delivered the, the mental stuff, I got the stuff out of my head that was, but the heart, you know, the gut, the heart wasn't in it. And when I finished recording, I thought I hit stop.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You had one of those. (laughs) Went to the bathroom with the recording device still on. (laughs) And then I
0: hit the floor and I just laid on the floor with with my hands over my face just going, oh that was so horrible today, right? And then uh, June from my office comes running in the room, the recording room to hit the hit the stop button. And my <laughs> wife calls me immediately and she's like, you're still alive. I said, this was so terrible today. She goes, did you know that we could see you in the reflection of the window laying on the floor with your hands on your face? And I was like, no,
1: but that's the best part of the video. <laughs> that's the most
0: real thing that happened. That yeah, the whole
1: time. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah, yeah. We're not always on, right? No. I think, and I think, also, how would we know that we're on if we never had moments when we're off? Yes, right. I mean that we're in the land of polarity. That's what being a human is. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like it's just as beautiful to have off moments as it is to have on moments.
0: Yeah, we we had a we, act, we had a conversation about that about essentialism. I don't know if you've ever read essentialism. Uh, the name escapes me right now. Who wrote it? But it's a it's a great book. And there's the, that Netflix. Um,
1: Oh, okay. Like a documentary or something? Yeah, there's a Netflix okay.
0: documentary. It's called something else and I can't think of the name right now, but it is about living with like just the minimalism. Oh, minimalism. minimalism I've seen that, right? yeah. You, you've seen that, yeah. right? So essentialism is kind of the same. And so I asked the question and I, I'm curious to know what you think about this, but how would you know to be essential unless you're at the other end? Totally. Right, like... In the world of business, we, you know, you keep doing stuff till, you, and you course correct, you course correct, you course correct, and maybe you strip stuff out, but you don't know you've got too much going on until you look and go, we can't do all of this.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, totally. I don't, do you help business owners? Is that your focus or? Yeah, I
1: work primarily with high achieving female entrepreneurs and a few great men. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, and that's kind of my sweet spot and I love them because they they've they've done all the things that have sort of gotten to the to the place where we're going to have a really like meaningful conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What are you good at?
1: Um what am I good at? I'm really good at listening to people, uh not just to the words and um I just hear things that they say, and I'm able to give it back to them in a way that I feel really lands. Um, And I'm also really good at helping people change their mind. Um, And I think that is actually harder than it sounds, um, because you have to get people to a place where they're open, right? They're not fighting you to change their mind the my the favorite thing i hear you know i sort of this is my report card from the universe when i'm working is when someone says to me i never thought of it that way Mm. and they say it in a way that they're you know they're going to think of it that way from now on to me that's that's that is what i'm good at that's what i love to do um and um you know i mean there's lots of things i'm good at
0: yeah um are you gonna write a book
1: I'm writing a book right now. Awesome. Um, I've been writing it since 2011. I first wrote the 40,000 words in 2011, and then it sat on a shelf since then. And now it's dusted off, and now it sits a lot closer to my desk. Um, I think looking back, I needed to go through a a lot more. Um, You know, the essence of my work is um, authenticity addiction, I would say. I really am addicted to pursuing my life's truth. Hmm. And, uh, I'm committed to doing, um, you know, saying yes to the soul calls. I'm committed now more than ever to doing the things that I don't want to do, um, to let the things go that need to go that are hindering my spiritual growth. Um, and I went kicking and screaming into quite a few of them already, and maybe I'll kick and scream into the next ones. I don't know what they're going to ask me to let go of next. So right. <laughs> we'll see, um, but yeah, I really I really think more than anything we already are, you know, who we're supposed to be. I uh, I have a line in the book that came to me in a dream actually, which is that who you want to be is who you already are. Mm. And um I think really more than anything our task is to s- surrender or you know, dust away the parts of ourselves that are blocking our light from coming to the surface, and whether that's in the form of um, you know, beliefs or whether it's in the form of habits or behaviors. Um and we all have our own unique line. Um, you know, what I'm going to be asked to let go of, or it's going to be different things than you're going to be asked to let go of. Right. Um, But essentially um, I really want to continue to pursue my soul path.
0: Hmm.
1: And that is what that book is about. Sort of like a, um, (laughs) a guide to the, (laughs) to the living of life for authenticity addicts like myself. (laughs)
0: That's a great title. Thank you. It's long, but it's good.
1: it's not, that's (laughs) not, that will not be the title, (laughs) but Yes.
0: (laughs) I don't know if you can get that on a spine. Yeah, That's I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Awesome. Anything? Uh, so, actually, here's what I'd love to know. Mm-hmm. How can people reach out to you that want to find you, that want to maybe look at you as a possible uh, assistant or riding shotgun on their lives, as you put it? How can they find you?
1: Yeah, you know, probably the best place to find me is just on my website, heatherwhite.ca, just like uh, you would think it would be spelled. And then all the social media channels are there. Uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook, and I do a Facebook Live every Tuesday. Uh, doing Q and A. So yeah, there's lots of ways to just sort of poke around and see if the things that I'm saying kind of resonate. And then if you want to take the next step, I always do a complimentary discovery call with anybody Mm. um, that is interested in sort of having a conversation to sort of feel and experience how I work. I think that's the easiest way for people to decide whether or not I might be a nice navigator to ride a shotgun with them on their journey.
0: Yeah. I have two last questions for you. Um, so the first one for myself, there were things that my parents did or said that I would, you know, when I was a teenager, most is like, I'll never do that or whatever. And, and then now I find myself doing that very thing. And so I have that moment where I'm like, oh, man, dad was right or mom was right. You know, do you have one of those that sticks in your head that, you know, there was a lesson that you wouldn't want to learn or you didn't want to learn. But now you look back and go, oh, man, I can't believe I'm doing that thing.
1: Hmm. I mean, I see myself, I see my parents in me for sure, mm-hmm. I was per- particularly with my mom. My parents were divorced, and so I, I grew up with my mom, and I only saw my dad, you know, once a year kind of thing. Um, I'm very critical, and that comes from my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom was really hard on us, and she'd be the first to admit that. She's a Scottish immigrant. You know, she was a single mom for the for the first eight years of my life and um, she's a very very smart woman and yet in her day she wasn't granted the opportunity to go to university even though she had received an academic scholarship because her dad needed to sign off on her going and he refused and didn't you know believe for whatever reason that women should go to university and so i think for her it was it was a real dream for us to be well educated to be smart to be free to be liberated Um, you know, because of all the things that she had had to endure. And so she was very, very critical. Mm. Um, you know, and I hear that I have that and it's now internalized and it's a voice that I hear. And so I work very hard to extricate myself from that. And I, I see myself doing it. You know, I don't have children yet. I'm working on healing that as much as possible before, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because the wounds we don't heal, we pass on. Um, and I, you know, I know I'm not going to be perfect and I get that, but, um, yeah, I, I do see it happening, um, you know, especially towards the people I love the most, my husband, you know, and I hear that sort of critical, um, nothing is good enough lens come out quite a bit. So yeah. I wouldn't say it's necessarily something that I'm glad <laughs> that I have, but okay. I do, right. and, I, and I'm working on it.
0: I love what you said there, the, he, the the wounds that we don't heal, we pass on. I've certainly had that experience with my, I have twin daughters, 10 years old, and I and I can see a wound that I had that I've passed on and it has recently showed up. So that's um, that's great. I'll, I'll definitely be able to reflect on that. Well, the
1: other thing I like yeah. to think about, because I do believe that we choose our parents. I think souls choose the families they come to. So I, 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 I like to think the idea that, you know, they wanted that. They wanted that experience for, for whatever reason. And again, beyond the scope of our rational mind, we're not necessarily going to understand it. I don't understand, you know, why all the things happen that happen. But I am so grateful for all the experiences I've had because they've made me who I am.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Bloom Living podcast. So when you hear the term Bloom Living... What do you think? What is what conjures up in your head?
1: Oh my gosh! It's just I see a beautiful flower that is just continually um, unfolding, which I think is such a beautiful metaphor for life. I, I when you look at nature and you look at a, a bud of a flower and you watch it open, and just when you think there's no way it can open another layer, it does. And when I think of bloom, I, that's ex- the image that comes to my mind is just this um, this unfolding. Uh, sort of an infinite unfolding mm. um, and continually, you know, as you unfold, you spread more and more light uh, into, into the, our world. And so that's what comes to my mind.
0: That is awesome. <laughs> what a great name. We yeah, you this. sure came up with a good one. I love it.
1: <laughs> totally. It's beautiful.
0: Heather White, thank you so much for your time today. And I apologize greatly for the tree farmers outside <laughs> that are bashing down branches <laughs> and cutting them up. But hey, we got to go into a closet we did. together. Yeah,
1: I loved it. I'm, I feel very comfortable here. So this thank is, you so much for having me. This is
0: the first podcast recording I've done in a closet. Yeah, I'm, this is cool. I might continue yeah, this trend. This is, trend. Good. This is a
1: real This is a real recording studio. <laughs> no, truly, it was an honor to be here. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. A huge thanks to today's guest and to you for being a part of the show. If any of the ideas or stories did strike a chord with you, then I would be honored if you would take a quick moment to do a couple of things. One, If something in particular did resonate with you and you feel like it would make a difference in the lives of others, then please go ahead and share it through your social media channels. We'd like that very much. And two, if you are feeling compelled to join in on our ever-growing Bloom Living conversation, then hit the subscribe button and we will show up every time there is a new episode available. It is not only my goal, but the goal of our entire Bloom Living community to be the very change that we want to see in the world. All ideas begin with a conversation, first with yourself and then with others. We welcome your voice, so send along any comments, thoughts, or questions. This is Thomas the Shooter, Bloom Living. I don't want to get all soft and, and I don't want to turn your stomach fast and I don't want to get all mired and tight sentiment They'll think i found me a pocket here There's pipe bone stone on my television my mailbox of bankers pouring